Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P slash sober. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Dry July is here, and if you're working on quitting drinking, then this episode is all about how to get started. You'll learn what to expect in the beginning, like sugar cravings and urges to drink, and you'll learn about things that you can do to set yourself up for success this month, and what to do if you don't like sobriety, or you're feeling hopeless about the thought of never drinking again. I will also have a list of recommended episodes in the show notes too, if you want more early sobriety support and information. So let's dig in. The first 
first thing that you should know is you don't have to like sobriety in the beginning. It's okay if you're unhappy, bored, or cranky. You're working on getting sober because you were really, really unhappy drinking. So remember that. Usually when we quit drinking, it's not because we got sick of it or we just don't like alcohol anymore. It's usually because the negative consequences were starting to pile up and it got to a breaking point where we just felt like we couldn't do it anymore. That doesn't mean that you don't wish you could do it. So if you don't like sobriety in the beginning, just know that that is completely normal. You might still have thoughts about how you wish you could moderate someday or feel jealous of people that seem like they can drink and move on with their lives. As you have more sober time and you build a life that feels fulfilling and you learn to feel gratitude for small things and enjoy natural rewards, you will like sobriety. Number two, it's okay to feel afraid of the future, but just try to stay in the present. It's normal to think about quitting drinking and then immediately start thinking about how you can't imagine never drinking ever again or all the events and travels that are in your future that you won't be able to drink at. You'll deal with those things in time, but in the beginning, just try to stay as present as possible. I focused on how I can never go to wine country or drink wine in France, and I obsessively worried about going to a wedding and not drinking a year and a half in advance. It was a waste of my time, and all it did was keep me in a negative, fearful mood. Try to stay present so that you can be aware of the benefits of sobriety. And what I've learned is that things are never as bad as I expect them to be, and I hope that you will discover the same thing in your journey. Number three, plan out your time and change your routine. This is my best advice for you. I think we don't realize in the beginning how much we build our lives around alcohol. I used to call alcohol my best friend, my hobby. And when I quit drinking, I had nothing else in my life because over the years, I just removed everything that had nothing to do with alcohol. All of my friendships revolved around drinking, any hobby I had, anything I wanted to do on vacation, it all revolved around drinking. So if you remove drinking from that kind of life, you're going to feel the void constantly. So this is why I recommend changing your routine. And my best advice here is to watch less TV or don't watch it at all. I used to sit around and watch TV and drink every single day. And in my first 30 days, I didn't watch TV at all. I didn't even go in my living room. Instead, I planned out different things to do with my time. I looked on the community page for my town and I found events going on that I could go to. I went on walks, I exercised, I did stuff on the computer. Just try to not do the same exact stuff that you did while you were drinking. You can eventually get back to those things and enjoy them, but in the beginning, it's best to have a fresh start. Things like TV or listening to music or talking on the phone can be triggers to drink because you're so used to drinking when you do them or you have so many memories of yourself drinking when you do them. But if you change your routine, there's no memories or cues to drink for any of this new stuff. Number four, you will have cravings and urges, but they do pass. Triggers and urges and cravings, they're all so uncomfortable and unpleasant. 
but they are an opportunity to learn about the reasons why you drink. Even if you think that you drink socially or to have fun or you genuinely enjoy the taste, you wouldn't be considering not drinking unless you had some negatives. What happens with drinking is it's fine in the beginning, but the negatives continue to build and build, but we just keep on drinking to deal with them. If you just drank for the taste or to have fun and socialize, you wouldn't be listening to this. You'd just go drink socially and live your life. In sobriety, we have to work on understanding what drinking was doing for us and learn how to do those things for ourselves. Many of us drink to cope, avoid, numb out, or forget. And in sobriety, we have to learn to be present and work through our problems. I have a ton of episodes on cravings and urges that I'll list out in the show notes for you. But the most important thing here is to learn things that you're actually willing to do in the moment to cope with the urge to drink. And that's why my previous piece of advice was to change your routine and do different things because that will reduce the number of cravings you have because you're not cueing yourself to drink as often as you were before. But if you do get hit with a craving, then I want you to try to brainstorm other things that you can do instead. Try to think about what it is that you're craving. Are you craving fun, connecting with other people? Are you feeling bored so it makes you want to drink? Did you have a stressful day at work and you want to take the edge off? Did someone upset you and you feel like you want to drink to feel better? Do you feel overwhelmed and out of control and you don't even know how you feel? So you want to drink to bring that down to a manageable level? Try to think about what's behind the craving and what you need. And then you can find other ways to support those needs. And this is where the rage walk was born for me. The first time I had a really intense urge to drink and I was very, very upset. I knew I couldn't drink. I knew that I couldn't emotionally eat or do something else self-destructive. So the only thing that popped into my mind that I was willing to do was go on a walk. So I started just walking off my cravings. And whenever I feel overwhelmed and really upset, I try to walk it off. So it's really important to think of other ways that you can get this energy out and support yourself in a way that's not self-destructive. Self-destructive things are easy and they take no effort, but they don't actually help because then whatever you were feeling before circles back around and gets worse. And number five, speaking of cravings, you might have intense sugar cravings. So many people say, I never liked dessert before. And I had the same experience. I always said no to dessert until I stopped drinking. I did a deep dive on why sugar cravings happen in episode 43. But basically, sugar is another way that we can manufacture happiness and fun. And we can use sugar to cope with our emotions that we don't want to deal with. Sugar releases a lot of dopamine just like alcohol does. So it's providing the brain with the same easy boost of dopamine without any effort. If you find yourself eating a lot of sugar, just know that you can handle that in the future. Try to avoid committing to too many things right now. You don't have to give up alcohol and sugar and start exercising every day and go gluten-free and start dieting. Just don't drink. The rest will come. Not drinking is hard enough, and in the first month especially, 
you just need to focus on not drinking. You might be feeling better and you want to just take on the world and change your whole life, but be gentle with yourself. This is a long process. It takes time to heal and change your mindset and your perspective, and you're on the right path by just focusing on not drinking. Number six, your mind is going to try to talk you into why drinking is a good idea, but don't listen to it. In my Living a Sober Powered Life community, we say this thing to each other in meetings that I absolutely love. It came from one of our members, Dave, and he said, don't trust your thoughts in the beginning, trust us. In the first month especially, your mind is used to alcohol. It's used to a quick fix. It's used to not having to deal with anything uncomfortable. Drinking changes our brain chemistry, so the brain thinks that it needs alcohol to function. It's going to send you signals both in the form of withdrawal symptoms and thoughts trying to get you to give it what it thinks it needs, which is alcohol. So don't listen to it. Listen to other sober people instead. Listen to podcasts and hear other people's stories and get in community. But just know that your mind is going to send you thoughts that drinking is a great idea. It's been long enough. It'll be different this time. You've learned so much. You want to find balance. All of these things. And really, they are just not true. Because someone who's a take-it-or-leave-it drinker that takes a break from alcohol for a couple weeks, a couple months, whatever, they don't sit around contemplating whether it's been long enough. They don't bargain with themselves that they're okay to drink now. They either do or they don't. So every time my mind sends me a thought that drinking is a good idea, I use it as a reminder that I definitely am not cured and I still can't drink. Number seven, connect with others. Really connect with them. Towards the end of my drinking, I'd get really drunk and then I would desperately reach out for any type of connection I could find. You see this a lot in Facebook groups. And unfortunately, Even though we desperately want to help people, someone who is posting drunk is not in a place to hear or receive very much support. This could show up as scrolling sober stuff while you're drunk or sending DMs to influencers. I get a lot of DMs from people that are drunk. If this resonates with you, then it means that connection is important to you. Loneliness is a major trigger to drink. And even though when the alcohol wears off, We feel like we have to do it alone to prove something or because we don't need support. We clearly do, based on all of the people that I have seen and my own experience of drunkenly reaching out for connection. I used to drunk DM influencers back before I got sober, and the ones that responded were very kind to me. But it didn't help me at all, though. I just took the nice little boost, and then I went back to my obsession with controlling my drinking. I used to just show up in Facebook groups when I needed something and not be present any other time. It was very selfish of me, and this prevented me from getting true support because I never became a part of the group. It's important to both give support and get support. And I didn't realize that I wasn't giving support. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm going to talk in a couple weeks about how alcohol affects our cognition and our ability to think and how this recovers in sobriety, so look out for that. There are lots of options for getting support. You can go to meetings, you could work with a sponsor, 
work with a therapist, you could get a coach, or you could join an online community. I would love to support you in my community, Living a Sober-Powered Life. It's small and supportive, and I teach monthly workshops in there, and we have about 12 meetings a month at all different times. So visit my website to learn more, or you can check out the link in the show notes. Over the next few weeks, I will be covering what to expect physically, emotionally, and cognitively in sobriety. So make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast so you don't miss these episodes. Plus, hitting that follow or subscribe button really helps other people who need this information discover the show easier. So thank you for helping out the podcast, and I will talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.